On this week's edition of Commons People, we'll be talking about whether Jeremy Corbyn is about to face a leadership challenge. Here's his take on the rumours. I'm really surprised the BBC is reporting fake news. Just what did I say to get this reaction from Labour's Shadow Health Secretary, John Ashworth? You are a, you are a cheeky so-and-so. Intriguing, isn't it? Plus, we'll have an interview with a professor who worked with MPs on a report calling for EU residency rights to be protected before the Brexit negotiations. And after last night's votes, he is not happy. Well, some people do make that argument, and at least they're, if they're consistent in making that argument, you know, you, you can't call them hypocrites or liars. All of this and more on this week's issue of Commons People. Hello and welcome to Commons People, the Huffington Post politics podcast. I'm Owen Bennett, and this week I am joined by Ned Simons, Martha Gill and Paul War. Ned, you all right? Not bad. Martha? Yep. Paul? We're rocking. <laughs> Loving the energy, guys. Absolutely fantastic. Anyway, in what might have well been the slowest resignation in history, Clive Lewis quit Labour's shadow cabinet late on Wednesday evening. The now former shadow business secretary resigned in protest at Jeremy Corbyn, insisting Labour MPs must back the government in the final Commons vote on the Brexit bill. The Norwich South MP had promised to resign if no amendments to the bill were passed, and once the government saw off all potential changes, Lewis quit at 1 minute to 8 on Wednesday evening. Here is Jeremy Corbyn on BBC Breakfast this morning, insisting there is no chance of him quitting as leader. I'm aware of the issue of fake news at the moment. There's a lot of it about. Well, there's a story going about that you've set a date for when you're going to quit as, as Labour leader. That's in the I made it up yesterday.com. Is there absolutely no truth in that? Absolute nonsense. So your future as Labour leader is absolutely intact. You've not considered for a moment whether Look, you as leader are damaging the party's chance. I'm really chance. surprised the BBC is reporting fake news. Well, I'm, there, I'm, is, there is no news. So we heard there, fake news, guys. It's fake news. Corbyn is definitely fine. Fanning his inner Trump. Exactly. He? 50 of his MPs did not rebel against him last night. One of his closest allies in the cabinet has not just resigned. So everything's but everything's fine, right? Everything's standard, isn't it? I mean, that's sort of just what happens now with him. In in a weird way, it it's not. I don't know if it is a crisis as such because with Clive Lewis' resignation, we knew it was going to happen. Let's talk about Clive Lewis' resignation. So this is a guy who was very very loyal to Corbyn. This yeah. is a guy that when he was elected as an MP in 2015, he says something like, "My election shows the death of New Labour." Yeah. It's not something you expect a Labour MP <laughs> to say. But that shows how fast the lefty is. He is now gone because he didn't mm. want to back Brexit. That must weaken the Corbyn project. I think it does, and it kind of draws more attention to him, and it maybe shows the idea of the kind of Corbynistas being a bit less just about Corbyn. I mean, if you look at Clive Lewis's rise, he was elected, what, only in 2015, and he's gone from being just sort of uh, one of these Corbynistas to, in his own right, a person. And he had to resign, and he back, not backed himself into a corner, but if he hadn't, he would have looked ridiculous. He said in a meeting at his constituency on Friday that he gave his uh, voters his word he would quit if there was no amendments. There wasn't, so he had to, he had to do it. Yeah, but it was it was a strange sort of eight day resignation. <laughs> and he dragged it out, didn't he? He really did. And I think well, I was down in the lobby last night as you were, Owen, and a lot of Labour MPs were just scratching their heads. You know, why was it suddenly this all about Clive? It's not all about opposing Brexit. It seemed to be all about Clive. The fact that he dragged it out for so long. 
and as well as the fact that he was wearing a suit unusually they, they knew something was up he always wears this sort of tweed jacket he was wearing a suit a sort of funereal there was a, there was a lot of navy <laughs> blue suit what kind of blue was it yeah, was <laughs> does it that black? mean was he's going to go on telly it, or it wasn't yeah. a Jeremy Corbyn green suit <laughs> yeah so no it wasn't and that, and that is part of you know is it about Clive or is it about something does he represent something bigger but the real problem I think for Clive Lewis in terms of now whether or not he's going to do some sort of leadership bid and obviously the speculation is enormous is that he basically was saying I want to be the voice of Norwich now if you can't be, Alan you can't be exactly <laughs> but you can't be Labour leader or even Prime Minister unless you're the voice of the country and you can't possibly be the voice of the country if you're opposing Brexit in the House of Commons this is my slight confusion about Clive Lewis is that he gave a speech to his constituency on Friday in which he said, UKIP are really going to dig into us. We might even lose Stoke Central yep. for the by-election to UKIP. And then he goes and votes against Brexit, which surely plays mm. completely into, into UKIP's hand, Martha. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. He's, um, he, seems to, he's, he just seems to be kind of... Perhaps he's not very sure what he stands for, or perhaps he's got something as a plan which <laughs> is yet to be revealed. It's very well hidden at the moment. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the thing is, it, it perhaps just shows his inexperience. I mean, last night, another reason for uh, confusion was just before the final vote, he appeared to, well, he did, he voted with the government on, you know, including some of the key clauses from the bill. It's called stand part. It's very technical, but basically he clearly hadn't consulted the Labour whips and said, you know, should, which way should I vote on this? And they would have said, look, you, you know, if you're in favour of Brexit, then you vote for this. But you voted for it. And then f that's why everyone thought, oh, he's bottled it. And then a few minutes later, he votes against Brexit. So, it, again, there's inexperience there, not just in sort of parliamentary procedure, but maybe just in what his game plan is overall. And maybe I talked to a shadow cabinet minister this morning who, who said, actually, maybe you're all just guessing too much or reading too much into it. Maybe Clive really doesn't know what he's going to do. Maybe he's really unsure about what he is. There is no grand game plan. He just thought, right, I've got to vote with my conscience. And he hasn't really thought it through. Well, I... I I joked with a 2015 Labour MP yesterday, one of their in intake, and said to this MP, oh, you're going to stand for leader then? And this MP replied, how arrogant would you have to be? Do you think you can be leader of the party after being here less than two years? You know, <laughs> pointedly at <laughs> Clive Lewis. But apparently Clive Lewis is not going to be doing any kind of interviews or media work for the next two weeks until after the by-elections. Apparently he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to give the opportunity to people around Corbyn to say, if they do lose the by-elections, are we lost because of Clive? He was a divided party. Apparently, he wants to take a step. Yeah, I understand that's the that. deal. That, he, that you know, he, that's part of the loyalty he, he committed to Corbyn when he met Corbyn yesterday. He, he made that commitment. I'm not going to rock the boat. However, having said that, I understand he might be giving a, an interview to his local paper. Oh, good. Local journalism. We Anyway, as well as the actions of Clive Lewis, the other MP people had their eyes on last night was Diane Abbott, the Shadow Home Secretary, as stained on the vote last week after coming down with a migraine. Earlier this week, I travelled to Stoke to report on the by-election. While I was there, I caught up with Shadow Health Secretary John Ashworth in a pharmacy for a chat. And I asked him about Diane Abbott. Here's, here's an extract. You're in a pharmacy now. Are you thinking of picking up some medicine from Diane Abbott, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> you, are, uh, uh, you, are a, you are a cheeky so-and-so. Uh. But are you worried about her? Because obviously, she, I mean, you, you towed the party line and you voted with the whip uh, on Wednesday. Some of your cabinet colleagues felt so strong they stood down. What was it like to have one of your colleagues abstain on the vote? Well, if D Diana's uh, been poorly... But what I will know is that she will be getting the very best care possible from the NHS. And are you confident that she'll vote with the whip on Wednesday? 
I'm sure she, I'm sure she will. But if she's been unwell, I know the NHS will be looking after her, and I'm as we all want her, and because we all want her fighting fit uh, and back. Uh, and uh, I look forward to seeing her when I get back to Parliament later tonight. So obviously that was before the vote, and Diane Abbott did vote with the whip. She went and she voted for Brexit. And now, interestingly, in I was taking my reporting very seriously last night, and I was in the bars getting the gossip. And last night, Diane Abbott was in Strangers Bar with uh, Sammy Shakavati, and they were sort of stuck to each other like a duo. And they were just going around and talking to everyone. They were talking to newspaper columnists who had slagged them off. They were talking to even MPs who would question whether Shami Sakravati um, was entitled to get her peerage. And they were sort of reaching out in this weird way. And I, I don't know whether they'd been sent there on the orders of, uh, of El Presidente Corbyn to get the mood of the bars. But that it was quite an odd... Yeah. It's quite an odd, an odd thing. I want to know why. I want to know why you're in a pharmacy. <laughs> oh right, yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> just just hanging out in a pharmacy with John just, Ashworth. Just and, uh, the methadone, wasn't I? <laughs> uh, but you're right. Last night was extraordinary, and as we reported, and uh, everyone else has followed up now, that what happened last night in Strangers Bar was that David Davis came in, and he was really rather uh, pleased with the victory, not too surprisingly, and um, made to sort of approach Diane Abbott as a sort of, I'm told it's like an air kiss, just to congratulate her for actually finally backing the Brexit bill. And uh, she swore at him and said, uh, well, F off. Um, now, wh what I'm not quite, quite sure about is whether or not she was being serious, whether she was really offended, whether she, it was just her being um, just slightly full of banter and returning his banter with her own. It, that, but nevertheless, it shows how irritated i suppose she was about finally having to wrestle with her conscience and vote with this government bill because anyone watching last night saw that she was one of the very last mps to go through the the eye lobby to vote for this oh, bill we were told that she was helped through by keith Vaz. she you was helped by through by keith Vaz. she went to sit next to keith Vaz in the chamber who was sitting there and um, I understand she then explained, you know, to Keith Vaz, look, this is a really tough decision for me, rather publicly, just to make sure it was underlined that this was her not doing this, you know, um, quite easily and that she'd thought a lot about it and it was very difficult. And then she finally voted for it. So, and then she pops up on Newsnight later and says, well, you know, this is a Donald Trump Brexit, not a Tony Benn Brexit. And when Keith Vaz left, he left it with a new washing machine as well. Um, so um, Jeremy Corbyn, is he going to face a leadership challenge? And not from Clive Lewis in the short term. I'm pretty sure not. Because, don't forget, Clive Lewis is part of the inner circle, despite his sort of uh, slight semi-detached nature since since party conference when he, he obviously upset a few people in the Corbyn team by coming out strongly on the, on the Trident front and backing party policy. But nevertheless, he still is in with a lot of the people around Corbyn. And I don't think he would deliberately attempt to undermine Corbyn or launch a leadership challenge because let's be honest it's pretty hard to get the numbers if you want a leadership challenge let alone just to stand even if there's a vacancy you need 35 as a vacancy you need many more if there isn't a vacancy and I'm pretty sure what's interesting about this I think is that Corbyn with a lot of talk we started off saying whether or not there's you know he has set a departure date I don't think he has but there's a lot of talk about 2018 and whether or not in 18 months time he may just think make a decision is this for me and if that's what Clive Lewis is doing then it's quite smart if he's been tipped the wink that actually Corbyn could be going in, in 18 months time this is the good way for him to sort of prepare for it and build for it <coughs> so there's many amendments uh, last night which all got defeated a whole, a whole range of amendments there was about 11 votes last night in total it was 
it's quite heavy going. Uh, one of the key amendments which was defeated by the government involved protecting the residency rights of EU citizens who already live in the UK. The government defeated the measure by 332 votes to 290. But it wasn't just Tories who marched through the lobbies to block the amendment. Six Labour MPs, Frank Field, Kate Hoey, Kelvin Hopkins, Rob Maris, Graham Stringer and Gisela Stewart also voted against the amendment. And it was the actions of the final MP on that list, Gisela Stewart, which provoked a furious reaction from Professor Steve Pearce from the University of Essex. Now, at the end of last year, Professor Pearce took part in an inquiry into securing the status of EU nationals in the UK after Brexit. I quote, It would set the right tone in the subsequent negotiations if the, e if the UK reached out and confirmed the status and rights of EU citizens. This is what it said in the forward of the inquiry's report. And who chaired that inquiry and indeed wrote that ver those very words? Well, it was Gisela Stewart. After last night's vote, Professor Pearce was not happy with Stewart and Tory MP Suela Fernandez, who also sat in the inquiry, but also voted against the amendment. All of us on the inquiry, which Gisela chaired, as you say, agreed that EU migrants' rights should be protected. And we went into some detail about it. So anyone who was here before Article 50 was triggered should be in exactly the same situation as they were beforehand. And the Harriet Harman Amendment, it wasn't perfect, but it went a long way towards doing that. And, but then they voted against something which they supported when they were part of the inquiry. You used quite strong language on Twitter. You called Gisela Stewart a liar. Why do you, why do you think she's a liar? Well, because she said she'd do one thing. And she, you know, she, quotes, she was quoted in the press last December when the report came out many times as saying, that she felt EU citizens' rights should be protected. But then if you believe that, and if you strongly argue that, and then you vote against it, then I think it's fair to call someone a liar. I mean, one of the arguments that they're putting forward is that until the reciprocal arrangements have been agreed, therefore until British citizens in the EU, until their rights are protected, this would be giving away a slight negotiating position. I mean, what do you make of that argument? Well, some people do make that argument, and at least they're, if they're consistent in making that argument, you know, you, you can't call them hypocrites or liars. But the argument that Gisela Stewart made, Gisela Fernandez made, and all of us in the inquiry made, was that we shouldn't wait for a reciprocal deal. It's the best thing to do is obviously to aim for one, but in the meantime, to guarantee EU citizens' rights unilaterally. So in her case, in both of their cases, in fact, they said one thing and then did exactly the opposite. And you also indicated that you wouldn't be prepared to, you know, if, if, the, if the inquiry was to do any further work, you wouldn't be prepared to sit on it alongside those MPs in the future. Is that correct? That's quite correct. I mean, I sat on it on the assumption that they sort of meant what they said, that all of us on the Remain or the Leave side could work together to agree on this, this one thing, which we all, all agreed was important. But then at the end of it, having signed up to it, they then vote against it. And I don't think you can trust someone once they've shown you that they can't be trusted. And it, it, does it lead to a slightly bigger point here that, you know, we're, we're part of the campaign for us to leave the EU was about getting Parliament, sovereignty of Parliament back and those kind of issues. And yet it seems here was an opportunity to use Parliament to tie the hands of the executive somewhat and they didn't take it. Well, exactly. And it's not just on this issue, it's a number of issues which all the amendments are voted down, even on some, you'd think, fairly innocuous questions like, whether the government should uh, do an impact assessment or review the level of subsidies to Wales and the impact on the environment, things like that, which weren't really going to concern the government much. But to have a, um, sort of documents that were produced so we could debate these issues in future, 
and, and to hold them somewhat accountable. But all of that got voted down. And I think that really is uh, quite an inappropriate way for Parliament to behave. It, would, it wouldn't have prevented Brexit from going ahead, but it would have informed the debate about Brexit, that, uh, which we ought to be having in an informed way as the process goes forward. And you've worked, I believe, as a consultant for the European Parliament, for the European Commission, European Commission sorry, the Foreign Office. So you really know this area. Do you think that it is um, reasonable or, or likely that all of these negotiations and a new deal will be concluded within two years? Well, I think a deal about EU citizens and the process of leaving might be concluded within two years. It's going to be more difficult to have a deal on our future trade relations within two years. I think we may do what some on the government say we should do, although Theresa May describes it differently. But I think what we'll end up with is some kind of interim deal for about another three years and then a final deal after that. But that will still be difficult to negotiate in the time frame. Excellent. And just finally, I mean, if you got any, any sort of, if you were to seek Eva Stewart or Philip Fernandez, what would you say to them today if you, if, you, if you were able to speak to them? Well, I would say I was disappointed that they voted against something which they said they believed in. I mean, even if they're going to vote differently later on when there's another chance to discuss this, the, the idea of protecting EU citizens' rights is a principle that should come before anything else. And voting for that wouldn't have stopped uh, Brexit going ahead. It would just have been ha something that happened uh, separately. So I think I'm, I'm just disappointed in their conduct. Does, I mean, the, the, the passion over this amendment about not securing EU migrants' rights is, is well, strong, uh, isn't it? I mean, what was Stuart's argument for not voting? I haven't actually heard myself well, what I, she I, said. I, did, I called her today and asked if she wanted to come on, and she said she was too busy, unfortunately, so... I think it is a problem for them uh, because, as, as as your chap just said, you know, it's not as if they um, disagreed with the sentiment of that amendment. You know, they wanted, they've said publicly, a unilateral agreement is actually um, uh, in everyone's interests. And you could have, if they hadn't said that, if they'd said, well, this is all about tactics and this is about Brussels Commission basically making clear that, you know, there's no negotiation without notification, this great phrase that everyone in the EU is using. Basically, until Article 50 is formally triggered, there's no point, we're not going to talk about this stuff. So, y you know, and but that wasn't the case. And as you say, they signed up to this unilateral idea. So I think it's politically difficult for them. However, you know, there are lots of Brexiteers who... And you'll remember this, though, and during the campaign, we're very, very strong on this, saying that actually, yeah, we should guarantee these rights. Um, and uh, their argument right now is, look, we've let's sort out Brexit, let's start the process and then deal with it as a priority. And they keep getting the feedback from from Theresa May, which is that look, there's only a couple of countries and they're small countries, not even Germany. Apparently, there's a lot of talk this week that Germany's objecting to this, but apparently it's even smaller countries that are saying, look, you can't have this early deal. Um, they think it will all be solved very, very quickly. Certainly DD's department think that. And one of the other amendments was, <coughs> it wasn't quite calling for 350 million to be <laughs> put in the NHS, I'm sure Muna. It was actually calling for there to be like an assessment of the amount of funding needed for the NHS, wasn't it? I mean, it was kind of couched in these terms, but obviously, you know, it was it was a, it was an elephant trap to get Edom yeah. Smith, Boris Johnson's of this world to vote <laughs> against what I is the most famous thing of the thing, and, and it was yeah. lost. Right? And that one seemed a bit more sort of political and it's kind of not, not stitch up is the wrong word but but show people like Boris go, ah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Uh, compared to the eu nationals one which i think was a much more kind of serious 
meant amendment. That Absolutely. And, and you saw from the reaction from our readers and on Twitter that the EU national vote last night being defeated um, caused quite a lot of um, anger amongst people and general public who thought, you know, the least thing you can do is actually guarantee citizens' rights and here. And a lot of EU nationals are really, really concerned about it. I mean, a lot of my friends are EU citizens. And they don't understand what's going on. You too, yeah, that's right, it. Okay, yeah. But like, but you know, they don't understand what's going yeah. on. They're really worried about it. It's causing a lot of concern. And the fact that it hasn't been the longer it's not cleared up for, I think that's um, really a really big worry for a lot of people. How vocal are uh, UK citizens in the EU about their rights, though? I mean, I wonder if we haven't really heard from them yet, and I wonder whether that's a group that May is worried will become vocal unless unless she holds off on on guaranteeing the rights of EU citizens without well, that Yeah, deal. I mean, there are lots of British expats in Spain, obviously. Um, and I think that's why Theresa May and Number 10 were saying, look, actually, they've had a, an agreement with, you know, the P Spanish Prime Minister, Rajoy, who said, look, I'm really keen on guaranteeing their rights. You know, I'm on your side. We need to sort this out quickly. They think there's, you know, there is a consensus across Europe to sort this out quickly. And they think that it's unfair they're getting the blame on one vote last night. Oh, as for the 350 million, um, that just looked like, a, you know, a... a uh, not an amendment, but more a meme in waiting. That it didn't really look mm. like it was a, a serious attempt. Could we say? Reminds uh, you of the Brexit moment of the week, Brexit thing. What's, what do we call this bit? I don't know. But anyway, before we play the jingle, <laughs> Farage or Farron? Yeah. Before we play the jingle, though, we had a we've had a complaint from a listener that the jingle. A listener. Yeah, the listener, James Davis. He's called on Twitter. <laughs> tweet at Owen J Bennett. He said, "Fact, the jingle's too loud." <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, but I will not hold back the importance of. This Brexit I think thing. I know James Davis personally. Yeah, you do actually. <laughs> yes. uh, Me too, actually. Yeah, yeah, Hi, James. No. So Hi, James. We're gonna, so John, the sound guy, is is refusing to turn the volume down. So I'm sorry, James. Have to deal with the rock and roll nature. Just turn it down on your yeah. on your okay. play it. I say three, two, one. There we are. And also, that Ode to Joy there was being whistled and sung by SNP MPs as they voted last night. And they were still singing it in the sports and social bar <laughs> last night. <laughs> See, about an hour they're all fans the of this podcast. Yeah, That's the point. The thing. Anyway, Brexit this week, as well as obviously what went on in, in Parliament, there was stuff about the Brexit bill, how much it's going to cost us to leave. It's thought maybe going to be slightly less than what was originally thought. There was a report that came out was, um, from Mercer Consultants who looked at the labour shortage in the UK and said that there, you know, we need, guess what, we need lots of immigrants because there's a big labour shortage. Apparently the mobile phone costs, you know those roaming charges that was the reason for staying in the EU? Well, apparently if this could well be that after 2019, we UK people won't benefit from the mobile phone roaming costs being cut because we're not part of the EU anymore. So that's so it turns out all that scaremongering was, was actually right. And and uh, the, the tax man, HMRC, has admitted they are planning for W. T.O. rules after Brexit if we don't get a deal. So the Farron, Farage, Scale, Ned, who's happier this week? I'm going to have to go for Farage again yeah. just because of the vote. Yeah. And I think, I think I said last week, I think Farron's going to start to look happier, as it were, once we get into negotiations and all these things you just spoke about start to come to the surface. But Farage has got to be pretty damn happy today. I think he will be. But oh, you're right that Farron's, you know, don't wipe out the idea that the more and more uncertainty is going to increase. Um, I think only this week Bloomberg had a report saying that actually the number of banking jobs that are at risk is actually much higher than people thought and that the city could be really at risk. Yeah, Bruegel was a Brussels-based think tank said that, I think about 30,000 potentially yep, that's jobs a lot that of are going to go. And, and something like £1.5 trillion pounds worth of assets could leave the UK because of Brexit. Now, 
I'm no maths man, but that sounds like a bloody lot of money. Martha, what do you think, Farron or Farage? Uh, yeah, I think Farage too, but um, I don't. Don't. I, I went to some drinks with with the Lib Dems hosted by Tim Farron Ellis uh, this week, and as he he said to everyone, you know, we've got a real purpose now. The point of going into politics is to fight for something. We're fighting for something now. They're fighting against Brexit, and yeah, I think I think that there's a sort of new energy in the party which. Which we're going to I think you're absolutely wherever. right. They f- they keep saying that this is their Iraq war. This is their Charles Kennedy moment. Where at the time you're a lone voice, everyone ridicules you. Say all the polls show that you know people aren't on your side. But over time, they think that politically it gave them definition. So, well, you are listening to Commons People, the Huffington Post Politics Podcast, and now our highly anticipated regular feature. In case you missed it, where we bring you some political news which might have slipped under the radar amidst all the noise and confusion of a busy week. This week, Martha has been digging around the government's new housing plans. Uh, So the housing plans came out this week, um, much anticipated, sort of various leaks got out beforehand, they turned out to be wrong. Um, Main points, Tories are not going to threaten the green belt, they're going to protect it, something that everyone was very worried about in the Tory party. Um, The... uh, the they are going to build more, but they're going to build up in urban areas uh, and they, they're just going to try and really pressure developers to not to sit on land. But there's one point that we uh, that we wrote about, which is that they, they quietly dropped um, David Cameron's flagship plan to uh, build 200,000 starter homes, which are discount homes for people under 40, first-time buyers. Um, they, they, they've dropped that pledge um, which which hints that you know despite all this talk um, in the announcement of sort of helping out people who want to buy their first house, uh, they are they're not, they're not in fact uh, going to do right, that. It was uh, I think John Healy, shadow housing secretary, said it was less a white paper, more a white flag. Which I think he's quite pleased that that soundbite got, yeah, got out there. Yeah, he, he, he released it in every single uh, statement. <laughs> he released about five different yeah. emails, and all of which had that. I know that it's 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 a tricky task being in opposition, but even having one of your soundbites out there is actually quite an achievement. So I think you know. <coughs> so let's uh, let's let's do this week's quiz now. Regular I listeners hope. or the regular listener will know that James Davis turned the volume yeah, down. James yeah, James Davis turn it back on. James that Sarah normally does the quizzes. She's not here. I found that out about an hour ago when I got an out of office from her saying she's not back to this week. Disgrace. So, so I had to knock together this quiz. So it's surely the normal doing some work. No, come on. So this week's been good. quiz is about. Uh, <laughs> foreign nationals percentage wise right. in different EU countries right okay good part good. example okay that's your ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, in the United Kingdom uh, according to figures as of 1st of January 2015 8.4% of the total population were foreign nationals that is a disgrace Farage would say some people would say it's great oh so right yeah. okay, okay yeah, so, yeah. Yep. Um, sounds quite small Yes, you see, April Fool sounds quite small. Anyway, I'm going to give you some other countries, and you've got to tell me whether the percentage of their total population, which is foreign (laughs) nationals, is higher or lower than... I I understand why you're looking so stressed earlier. And what are the two options? Have you come up with a nice phrase? So if it's it's higher, then it's uh, Nick Clegg's dream. Okay. And if it's lower, then it's... uh, Nick Clegg's nightmare? Farage is happy. Nick Clegg's nightmare is better, Nick's isn't it? nightmare. Nick's nightmare. No, because Nick's nightmare wouldn't be... Farage's nightmare would be higher, wouldn't it, I suppose? Yeah, Nick's nightmare is that it's lower. Okay, Nick's nightmare is lower. Yeah. Farage's nightmare is higher. Agreed? 
Mm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right. So. I mean, I, mm, but let's just. Yeah. Cool. We've got to wrap this up because people have got. <laughs> we've all got lives to lead. Spain. That's got higher. Surely it's got a lot more. Yeah. So I you think it's it's Farage's nightmare? Yeah. Well, yeah. I know there's loads of British people there, so yeah, I guess. Yeah, and a few Germans, right. I think. Yeah. Right. Correct. Nine point six percent of the population. Got a breakdown of the figures of sure. how many don't, Brits. Don't or? stress him. Yeah. Uh, about. <laughs> uh, Ireland. Ireland. Ooh, oh, that's got to be. But it's as a percentage. That's, that's quite. Percentage. That's why it's yeah. interesting. There's a lot of Italians and Spanish who who work in Ireland. I'm going to say lower though. Mm, I'm going to yeah, go for lower. Gonna go yeah. for lower. You're going to go for Nick's nightmare. Nick's nightmare. Uh, no, it's Farage's nightmare. <gasps> it's 11.9. percent I should have gone with my gut. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Luxembourg. Ooh, I reckon that's really high. So. Farage's nightmare. Yeah, lots of I young professionals. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to go the other way. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Farage. Because it's so small yeah. that, you know, it maybe there's a Luxembourgeois, Luxembourgeois majority really high. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's 45.9% of the total population of foreign nationals. Oh, wow. Could have Farage I'm wrong. Here, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, <laughs> Sweden. Ooh, Sweden. Um, mm, I think that's low. Low, yeah. They've got a lot um, of asylum seekers, yeah. but I don't think they've got a lot of people... Foreign nationals work there. I think uh, people who live there. I'm, I'm gonna, I think, it, I'm, gonna, I think it's, I'm gonna say hi though, just to be different. Well, that is your strength. It is lower, seven point five percent. Not much lower, to be uh, fair. This is the final, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> the final <laughs> one. I've lost the will to live. France. Oh, um, that's definitely lower. lower than Britain. I mean, you know, the French. Um, oh, the French. here we go. <laughs> You can't just say French and shake your head, is it? Yeah, everyone knows what I mean. <laughs> Hang on a second. You're talking. <laughs> Are you thinking what I'm thinking? <laughs> what? Hello, hello. War, war's nightmare is that. <laughs> I'd be amazed if it's more. I'm going to say higher. It, go on. It is 6.6%. Told you. Told you. <laughs> French. <laughs> <laughs> proves everything that Paul's always thought about um, the French. Do you want to pick a random country and I'll tell you? Oh, in the yeah. world? No, in the it, EU. In the EU. How about uh, how well, about Italy? I'd love yeah. to know what Italy well, is. Well, do you know what, Paul? It's funny you should say that. <laughs> 8.2%. Pretty much the same. Oh. Uh, uh, other figures, Germany, 9.3%, so higher. Poland. Denmark, 7.5% lower. Poland's a good one. Yeah. Ready? Poland, I think Poland oh, might Poland? be the lowest. 0.3%. Wow. Yeah, you see? Oh, and Bennett, that's a great statistic. Thank you very much. I mean, yeah, that, you really, that quiz really kind of justified itself right at the end there, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think we give Martha credit for you, for bailing <laughs> you out there. For figuring out the thing that I should have done. Yeah, so there we are. So that was this week's quiz. <laughs> cool, well done. Met with a bowl of silence by the people in the room. I hope, I hope you enjoyed it at home, James. And uh, <laughs> right, then, so that's it for this week. And uh, it's recess next week, so we'll, um, we'll still be here, though, won't we? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Paul? Yeah. Obviously. Paul's the boss, so he tells us. We're not getting the week off. We might do. Let's see. Let's keep the view. Keep the listeners on tenterhooks. Keep the change if you're listening. <laughs> keep them on tenterhooks, all <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, Goodbye. So thanks for listening, and see you later. Bye. <laughs>
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.